of the Word of God. Third John, I almost said John chapter 3, but that wouldn't be right. I'm in third John. I got to get that order right. I'm going to read this entire epistle. It's only 14 verses, and we'll get into the message tonight. Look at it with me. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey... After a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath a good report of all men, and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I will, but I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee, our friends. Salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Thank you for standing tonight. You can be seated. The third epistle of John here is the shortest book in the New Testament. It's consisting of only 14 verses, and we find three people as the subject of this epistle. Four, if you count John, who wrote it. But in verse 1, we're introduced to a man named Gaius. He's the man whom John wrote this letter. And in verse number 9, we're introduced to Diotrephes, which was an opponent to John. And in verse number 12, we are introduced to Demetrius, who was a good and a faithful man. And the third epistle of John is a valuable source of information about the early church. And we see this through the personalities of these three men I just mentioned to you. It shows us that the early church was not without its problems. And what we find in these verses are three types of church members. And so I want to look into this thought tonight for a little while and preach on the subject of a tale of three church members. We all three, <laughs> just to be honest with you, and you look in churches and you see people, we'll, we'll fit in three of the, one of three categories, one of these three categories, and I just want to look at them tonight for a little while. The first person we are introduced to, or we find, is a man named Gaius, and I'd like to call him the loving church member. The loving church member. After all, this letter is to people in the church. It's, it's to these men. It's, well, it's to Gaius, and it's talking about other men, and they all had one thing in common. They were in the church. They were all part of the same church there. And we find Gaius here in verse number 1 and 2. He's the loving church member. And look at it with me. The Bible says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, 
even as thy soul prospereth. And so, man, we don't write letters like that anymore, do we? But uh, what, how, how, what a beautiful way to start a letter here. This is John writing to the man Gaius here, and this is how he opens up the letter. This is his uh, dear Gaius. That's probably how we would write it. But he goes on and he says these other things, and we can tell how uh, that by John, the way that John addresses Gaius right here, that he had a heartfelt love for him. John loved him, and John told him that he loved him. He also knew his spiritual life. Life was in great health, and he told them, told him that as well. That's what he's saying right there in verse 1 and 2. Now I want you to notice that John is praying for Gaius that his physical health be as prosperous as his spiritual health. It's in verse number 2. That says a lot, doesn't it? Look at what it says. Beloved, this is verse 2, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now, that don't sound like a whole lot, but honey, when you get to thinking about that, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it's cut me deep. It cut me real deep. When I read this, I thought about this. I thought, uh, what if I were to pray for you and ask God to bless you physically to the same degree that you are healthy spiritually? Think about that. Let's flip that around. What if, I, what if one of y'all prayed that God would bless me physically to the same degree that my spiritual health is? Now, here's where I'm going with that. What if he answered that prayer? And what would happen is my question tonight. What would happen? Uh, would you be healthy? Or would you be sick in bed or even knocking on death's door? Y'all getting this tonight? Would you have to, would we all have to rush you to the emergency room and you be placed in the ICU because your health would diminish so rapidly? I'm talking about what if your physical health was the same as your spiritual health? You see, we can all kind of look at each other and tell how we're doing physically. We can't always do so spiritually though, can we? And this is an amazing thing. Let's think about this. Would you be sicker than you've ever been or would you be healthier than you've ever been physically? That's what, that's what John is saying right here. He's, he's saying, he wrote that Gaius had a soul that prospered. And what did he say in verse 2? He said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Oh, see, John knew the spiritual condition. He knew it, and we're going to get into that in just a minute, but he knew he was healthy spiritually. Here's what he says. He says, he says, I pray that your physical condition would be as good as your spiritual condition. Hmm. Yeah. John wrote that Gaius had a soul that prospered here, and if he was physically in the same shape as he was spiritually, you know what? Old Gaius would be doing real good. That's what this is talking about. So let's move on here. I want you to notice with me this man Gaius. He was a, he was a loving church member. In verse 3 and 4, look at that with me. It says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
Now, John was told by other believers of the faithfulness of Gaius. It was reported that John's dear friend Gaius was faithful to the truth and living out the truth. And that's why he said that he has no greater joy. Let me just tell you something. There's, there's, not, there's nothing quite like the same feeling. To see, I'm just being honest with you, I did not know this. I'd never experienced this until I started being a pastor. I'm going to tell you something, y'all. There is no greater joy in my life than to see you get help from the Lord. Than to see your lives growing spiritually and doing, obeying, what God says. It's not my preaching. It's not me. I'm a messenger. But it does me good to see you growing in the Lord. I know a young man right now, and he's preached here, and, and I've thought about this before. It does my heart good. I was preaching the night that he surrendered to preach. We've had a lot of talk since then and, and uh, uh, give him some advice and different things. And, and it does my heart good to see how he's doing in the ministry. Why? It's just a natural thing. Do you not love to see your children do good? It's the same way in the ministry. And by the way, that's not just a pastor thing. You go out here, hey, do you know, oh, I'll just tell, I'll just put it to you like this. Everybody understand this. Do you know, I mean, how, how much joy do you have to see someone walk in those doors back there that you've witnessed to, that you've talked to, that you've invited to church? And maybe you've invited them several times. I'm going to tell you, let me just put it this way. Do you know how much, do I can't even explain the joy that was in my life the night that my father-in-law got saved. Prayed for that man for over 10 years. And to see him walk the aisle. I'll just be honest with you. You know what happened? That was the first time in church I had ever stood up and shouted. Why? Because it was such a joy to see fruit of all that labor. Yeah. And so Paul, or not Paul, but John here, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear. Hey, you know what the worst thing you can hear is? The worst thing for a pastor or a preacher or somebody that's in the ministry, a teacher to hear is, that person they've prayed for, that person they've preached to, that person they've tried to counsel, don't even go to church no more. They not only left the church, but they don't go to church anywhere. That's a sad, sad thing. But quite the opposite is so true when you see somebody prospering in the ministry. You see them growing. There's no greater joy than that. And if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, y'all need to get busy. Because I'm going to tell you what it does. It urges you to keep on keeping on. Keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. The apostle was thrilled to hear what God was doing in the life of Gaius. And the fact that Gaius here was serving the Lord and walking with God, there was nothing like that 
Gaius had a good report, and it blessed John's heart. And I tell you what, Gaius is a challenge to all of us to have a good report for the Lord. It's clear that his entire life was wrapped up in the truth. True living comes from the living truth. You see, Jesus Christ is the truth. Jesus Christ, the truth, is revealed in the Word, which is God's truth. The Holy Spirit is also truth, and He teaches us the truth. And the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to reveal the Son of God, and then enables us to obey the will of God and walk in truth. What was the secret to Gaius? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Look in verse 5 and 6, he says, Beloved... Thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. See, John here is commending Gaius for his faithfulness to the Lord as he cared for the traveling missionaries that passed through the area, especially for those who were strangers to Gaius. Those who were cared for by Gaius gave testimony about his love and concern for them. And I tell you what, uh, that is an amazing thing. I've met people in my life. I've met other pastors. I've met missionaries. And I don't know them from Adam. I instantly love them because of the way they treat me. I'm going to tell you, several years ago, I, I felt the call to South Dakota and I headed out there. We didn't know a missionary out in South Dakota. We didn't know anybody out there. So we started looking around and started asking other pastors and different people. And there was a man out there by the name of Lamar Whittemore. I will never forget Brother Whittemore. God didn't see fit for me to go out there and, and start a ministry out there like I thought he was. And he ended up calling me here. But here's the thing. I didn't know Brother Whittemore from Adam. I didn't know him from anybody. I called that man. He said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, preacher. Come on out here. I'll take care of you. That brother, I'd never met him face to face. He was at the airport to pick me up, me and my pastor. He opened his home to us that week. He took us for meals. He put us in a, in a hotel. Just hospitality. Didn't know me from nobody. I didn't know him. And you know what? I'll never forget the kindness he showed me. That's what I'm talking. When I read here about Gaius, that's what I'm talking about. He took care. He took care of God's people. He took care of. He took care of the ones he knew and the ones who were also strangers. He was hospitable. How did he do it? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. What enables a person to be like that? The Holy Spirit does. And I've met several other people. I've went, I've went and stayed in people's cabins and, and they didn't even charge me for it since I've been in the ministry. And, and some of them, they've been just super nice to me. And I've still to this day never seen their face. I can give you their names. What is that? That's, that is how we are to be. Christians take care of people in the work of God. And that's what Gaius was doing. 
And those who were cared for by him all gave a testimony about his love and his concern for him. Look in verse number 7. He says, because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. This is an interesting verse. Here's what we're talking about. These people, they refused to take any support from those who did not know the Lord. They didn't want to do anything that would hurt the cause of Christ, diminish His name, and hinder them from reaching the lost for the Lord. And you know, God's work, God's work is to be supported by God's people through their tithes, through their offerings to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this, that's God's way and it does work. Yeah, We are to take care of each other. I'm not going to separate... I'm not going to separate, well, how am I going to say this? Let me think. I'm not going to break fellowship with a church over having a bake sale. I'm done getting into bad territory here. But I do believe as a church, we ought not go out into the world to get our support. It ought to come from within. If we need, I'm just saying, if I need to build on, oh, this is rough. I was thinking about this before I got up here and preached. I thought, Lord, please, seriously, don't, don't do this. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. But listen to me. In the Bible, the church was supported by the brothers and sisters that made up the church. We are the church. We take care of each other. We take care of God's house. We ought not go out to the world and expect them to support us. Now, I'm not saying that you can't... <clears throat> I'm, I'm on thin ice, I know. I'm not saying that a church ought not have a loan. That's how we get things done nowadays. You need a lot of money, take out a loan. You pay that loan back, though, correct? You pay that back. What I'm talking about here is for when these people were looking for support, they did not look to taking nothing of the Gentiles. They're, I mean, there's something there for us, and that's what it's talking about. They did not beg for help and support from the world. Let me illustrate it this way. If we needed to build on to this church... Or if we wanted to, well, might as well go ahead. I done got, I done, I done got too far in now. I'll just go ahead and put it this way. Let's say we wanted to take a trip somewhere. Let's say we wanted to take a big trip. The whole church goes somewhere, and so we started having fundraisers. Man, I'm in deep. I'm in deep tonight. We start having fundraisers. We go out here, we, we're going to try to build money for that trip by selling all sorts of stuff out here in the world. I don't think that's right according to the Bible. Why? Because these men took nothing from the Gentiles. Well, that's Gentile. It's speaking of the world. They didn't support their church and each other with money from the world. They supported themselves from... You think about this. How does a missionary get on the field? They are supported by churches like us. The churches like us are supported by 
people like us, right? You and I give our money to the missions account. The missions account goes to the missionaries to pay for their expenses and help support them financially. That in turn helps keep them on the field furthering the work of God. I know that's, I know that's controversial. But that's what this verse is talking about. Okay, I'm going to move on. God's work is to be supported by God's people. Just remember that. How do we support the, the work of God? By our tithes, by our offerings. It's God's way. Always has been. It's an example that we have in the Bible. Like I said, full disclosure, I'm not breaking fellowship with somebody that thinks it's okay to do that. That's the beauty of being a Baptist. We have something called individual soul liberty. That means it might be my conviction. It don't mean it's this brother's over here. Okay? Hey Amen. I, I need a big shovel. Somebody go get me, a, uh, get me a bulldozer, all right? I'll get out of this hole I dug. But anyways, it's God's way. Let me give you a Bible verse. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Yes. Let me just put it like this. You take care of the church, God will take care of you. I am living proof of that one. Yeah. I ain't going to stand up here and talk money, but if you want to know, you just see me after the service and I'll, I'll, I'll throw some figures your way that'll make you feel like a termite and a yo-yo. But you know what? I ain't went hungry. God has blessed. Hmm. I've got more free meals than I ever have. Yeah. Yes. You never know where it's come from. I won't give out no names. I had somebody come by the house at 5 o'clock. That's why I was running late. I had some people come by the house, and they come up to me, gave me a hug, shook my hand, had something in it. We appreciate you. I just want you to have that. God takes care. Yeah, you can't outgive God. You can't. God's work can be and should be supported by His people. You can't outgive Him. I'm telling you, you can't. I'm watching, I'm watching over at Amazing Grace. They're building on a building. They're building a new sanctuary. It would blow your mind at the end of the day how much money they're going to have to borrow against it. Built a big sanctuary over there. It's insane. I'm not going to throw out any numbers. That's not for me to, to talk about. But I just want you to understand something. You want to know something? When God is in it, He'll take care of it. I was talking to my pastor about a week or so ago, and he told me what they were going to wind up having in it when all is said and done, and you could have blew me over. It was just amazing cause. I would have never thought you could build a building like that. For what they have. And you know what? God has been good. God has supplied the need. God has taken care of everything. And honey, He'll take care of it for the church. He'll take care of it in your life too. 
I got I to gotta go on. I'm about out of time tonight, and I ain't even got but one guy here. You can't outgive God. Look on, look at verse number 8. The Bible says, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. See, Gaius not only received the truth and walked in the truth, but he was a worker who helped to further the truth. We don't know what his spiritual gifts were. I don't know how he served in the congregation. But I do know that he helped extend and defend the truth by assisting those who taught and preached it. Gaius was a loving church member. And his actions showed it. His walk showed it. So that leads us to the second person tonight that we find here in this passage. And that is a man named Diotrephes. He's an example of a lost church member. In the next verses here, we see the problem that motivated John's writing of this letter to Gaius in the first place. And John publicly rebuked Diotrephes. And he rebuked him by name. And in rebuking him by name, the apostle of love did not act outside of love. So that's the way the world looks at it now. Instead, what he did was he followed the clear command of Scripture. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, the Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. That's Bible. Diotrephes here, he was a roadblock for the furtherance of Christ. See, Gaius is doing everything that he could to further the work of Christ. And Diotrephes was doing everything he could to hinder the work of Christ. What made him a roadblock? Why is he an example of a lost church member? Well, Diotrephes' action was causing a serious division within the church that had to be addressed. And just like we did with Gaius, let's look down through here at his actions. We all know actions speak louder than words, don't they? Verse 9 says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Don't you notice that? Diotrephes loved to have the preeminence. This phrase is from the Greek word meaning the desire to be first or the desire to be number one. It's the only place that this Greek word is used in the New Testament. It's in the present tense also, which tells us this, that it is a continual action. He constantly wanted to be number one. Well, that don't work in a Christian life, does it? His attitude was completely opposite of such men like John the Baptist who, who said, He must increase, speaking of Christ, He must increase and I must decrease. See, that wasn't the attitude at all of Diotrephes. He was motivated by pride. And whenever there is a church member like this, there are bound to be problems. He also had another problem. He had another problem in that he would not receive John and others. And what this means is that Diotrephes would not have fellowship with one of our Lord's own apostles. You know what? I just got to thinking about this. And, you know, pride gets in the way of anything that would help us. It sure will. We ought to have some discernment in the Christian life. Discernment to get you in touch with people that can help you. And the very people that Diotrephes should have been having fellowship with that could help him, his pride got in the way. The Bible says that he resisted them. He would not receive them. And he didn't just stop there. Look in verse number 10. 
says, wherefore, I, if I come, I will remember the deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. John is saying right here that if he comes, and it looks like he's going to pay a visit, according to verse 14, he, he speaks of his planning to confront this man Diotrephes. And the first thing he's going to confront him with is the slandering he's been doing against him. I want you to notice something here. There's a digression to the behavior of Diotrephes. First, ambition led to arrogance. Arrogance led to accusations. Accusations ended up in actions. So he started off, what's his problem? He's proud. He's an arrogant fellow. He wants to be number one at everything that he does, even in the church. He wants to be in the limelight. He wants to be the head honcho. And you know, I've heard preachers say this. We got one of the problems we got in our churches, we got too many, we got too many chiefs and not enough engines. That's the truth, is it not? That was diatrophies. He wanted to be the chief. He wanted to be in charge. Yeah. And we find that that pride led him, that arrogance led him to be a slanderer. Who did he slander? He slandered good people. He slandered people that were actually trying to do a good work for God. And he hindered them with that slandering. He lied against them. He sowed discord among the brethren. Yeah. And that ended up going even further. It started with a thought went to his mouth, and then it went to his feet. Because all of that started, and then he starts kicking good people out of the church. He starts causing problems. Because of him, the church, the good people in the church that wanted to do something good, they were not able to stay in the church. Why? Because of him. That's interesting. Y'all ever seen people like that? Yeah. Diotrephes was the polar opposite of Gaius. He slandered John. He gave a cold shoulder to these missionaries from John. He stopped others who would have received them and kicked out of the church anybody who attempted to help them. All because he loved himself and he loved his agenda and he had to have his own way no matter what. That ain't how it works. No. Even as a pastor, a pastor don't get to have his own way in church. Yeah, we ought to work together. It's good to have a leader. Every church needs a pastor. They need somebody that will lead them. I'm going to tell you what, we got pastors in the same boat Diotrephes was in. We got pastors that, that are arrogant and led by pride and they have to have everything their way. How you, you, I, know I, are, I know I'm a pastor. I'm just telling you tonight, you better watch out for a person like that. Whether they're behind the pulpit or whether they're in the pew. You've got to watch out for them. They're up to no good. They're not going to help the church. They're going to hurt the church. They're going to hinder the work of the church. Let me just put it this way. He's one of those people that, that you go out here in the neighborhood and you try to get somebody to come in and they look at him and just say, is that where that old diatrophies goes to church at? I don't have nothing to do with him. Let me tell you what he did with me last time I was there. You know what I mean? He hinders the furtherance of the gospel. And there is no place in church for a person like that. There's two things 
Two things. They need to get right. They need to get saved. Well, three things. They need to get right, they need to get saved, or they need to go home. Yeah. So John, he gives us two clear examples so far. One good, which was Gaius, and one bad example, Diotrephes. And now he applies the point. Look in verse 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. What is he saying? Follow the good, for we serve a good God. And those who follow Him will likewise do good. John didn't excommunicate Diotrephes. This is interesting. As an apostle, he had every right and authority to do so. But what did he do? He simply exposed him. He trusted that discerning Christians would avoid diatrophies as they should. Yeah. He needed to expose. Why do I get up here? Go ahead and call names. I'm talking about these people you see on TV. These people. I mean, you might as well. They did in the Bible. Paul did. Timothy did. John did. They didn't mince words. But let me tell you something. That's something that we shouldn't take very lightly. We shouldn't take it lightly. It ought to grieve us. It ought to grieve us because like I said, I'd much rather see that person either get saved or get right with God, depending on their situation. I'd rather see them do that than to have to go home. And I'm going to tell you something just as the pastor here. I'm not letting somebody come in here and tear this church up. No. It's Bible. I'll confront them. If that don't work, I'll confront them with a couple men from the aged men from the church. And if that don't work, we'll confront them as a church together. It's Bible. I'm not looking for a fight. The last thing I'm going to do is lay down and let the devil come in this church and have his way with it. It's not happening. It's not happening. And we see through the example of John here that he wasn't letting it happen either. He warned Gaius of this man. And you know what? I've got some phone calls before. I've got phone calls from other pastors. Look, man, I'm just going to warn you. This is what. That's what we're supposed to do. It's biblical. Yeah. Let's move on. We've got a third man here. Not much is said of him, but what is said is pretty amazing. Find a third example. Find Demetrius here. Demetrius is an example of the loyal church member. Look in verse 12. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. You see here, it wasn't going to be necessary for Gaius to stand alone. John... This is what I believe. John was sending him a like-minded colleague named Demetrius. And several Bible scholars and common, uh, commentary writers believe that he was the very man that was sending this letter. He was the courier taking this letter from John to Gaius. And so it was customary back then, you find it in other epistles, that, that the one delivering the message, well... They, they, they would put it, the one, the one sending the message would put a little something in the letter concerning the man that was delivering the message to the one that the message was for so that the one that the message was for would trust 
that what was sent was what he received. Does that make sense? I felt like that was just a tongue-twisted bundle of mess there. But anyways, so that's what this is. Demetrius, he says, hath good report of all men and the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record. And ye know that our record is true. And so John gives a threefold testimony of the character of Demetrius right here. First, he says, hath, he hath a good report of all men. That is, he's well spoken of by everybody that knew him. That's a good thing. You know, a pastor is supposed to have that, to have a good report. Not only a pastor, we all ought to have that. Doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher, doesn't matter. Hey, if you profess the name of Jesus, you ought to have a good report. And the Bible says from within and without. You think about that. And that means the people in the church ought to have good things to say about you. And even the people out in the world should have something good to say about you. Now, I know people lie sometimes. You make certain people mad even though you're trying to do the right thing and they'll try to slander you. Hey, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what was going on with John, wasn't it? But something I've always said when people start... I'm just being honest with you. I hope you can say the same thing. And that's the only reason I'm saying this. It's not because of me. I'm just saying I've had that. I have. There are certain things that have come back to me that people have said. Nobody in this church. God has blessed me. Oh, y'all are good to me. The people that have left this church since I've been here have all been good to me. I've had people talk about me, but they have never had a connection with this church. They're either somebody I made mad on social media, or I don't know. But here's what I said. Happened just a month ago. Here's what I said. I said, it's all right. The people that know me know my testimony. My testimony will speak for itself. That's what we find right here. Your actions are speaking. I've said it this way, and y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody that knows me knows that is not the truth. Y'all ever been in that situation? We ought to have a good report. Ought to have a good report. So here's the second thing he says about Demetrius. Secondly, by way of personification, he's received a good testimony of the truth itself. He don't just have a good name, but he's got a testimony of the truth itself. This means that this man, Demetrius, lived in a manner that was consistent with the truth. Not only, let me just put it this way. Not only was he a kind man, not only was he a compassionate man, not only did everybody that knew him have something good to say about him, positive to say about him, but his testimony also spoke that he obeyed the Word of God. He walked in the truth. And then thirdly, John adds his own personal testimony concerning Demetrius with an added motivation to Gaius. He says, ye know that our record is true. That is, John himself personally testified to the worth of Demetrius. Yeah. Demetrius was a church member that could be counted on. He was faithful. He had a good reputation. He had a good testimony. Everybody around him knew it. Yeah. A loyal church member like Demetrius is important 
People like him, they're a, they're a source of strength and support for the church. They don't hurt the church. And because of this, they're also a witness to the world around them of the love and the grace of God. I'm going to tell you something. If you ain't got a testimony inside the church, you definitely ain't got one outside the church. Not a good one, at least. We all got a testimony. The difference is, is it good or bad? We all got a reputation. Is it good or is it bad? I want a good report from in the church and outside the church. But even more than that, I want my testimony to say, yeah, he preaches, he, he walks, he, he, he has the actions to back up what he's preaching. Yeah. And on top of that, I got some old men of God that have vouched for us. We need that. We need that. And I'm telling you, this right here, I've experienced all of this. We've got, uh, you know, one brother sent, he's like, hey man, do you know about this guy? How is he? You ever heard of this guy? Have you ever talked to this guy? He's wanting to come to, that's the first thing I do sometimes when a missionary tries to get in touch with me. I'll start, I'll start calling other pastors and I'll say, hey brothers, y'all know this guy? Is he all right? Is he good? There's nothing wrong with that. It's Bible. I hope if, <laughs> when I came to church here, I was recommended by my pastor. I was recommended by the men that sat on the deacon board at Amazing Grace that signed inside the Bible. I've got all their signatures inside of the Bible that was presented to me at my ordination service. What is that all about? It's those men of God putting their stamp of approval on me. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. So this right here, this is all about what kind of church member are you? I, I got to shut up. I, I've, I've preached too long tonight. Lord. But it's important. We all should have a good reputation. We all should have hospitality. We should take care of each other. We should further the cause, the, the cause of Christ. We should further the work of Christ. How better, what, what better way to do that than taking care of people in the ministry? taking care of missionaries, taking care of brothers and sisters in Christ, taking care of preachers, taking care of, of your pastor. And I'll just say this. I mentioned a little bit this morning, I appreciate the support that y'all give me and my family. I do. It enables me to not have to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And with that time, I'm able to do things, plan all these events. I'm able to, to work with missionaries even like the other week and, and, and be able to get one man in touch with another man. And hey, I'm telling you, we were, doing, we were going right through 3 John with all that. I found a missionary. I caught, hey, is this brother good? Is this bro Can he use this? And, and then I'm calling another man. And, and because certain men had good re reputation... It was like this. Well, I know one of the men I called was Dr. Scott Caudill. He's president down at Macedonia World Baptist Missions. And let me tell you something. I'm just being honest with you. If a missionary comes out of Macedonia World Baptist Missions, I know they're okay. You know why? Because I know Brother Caudill. And I know the standard that they keep their missionaries up. Same thing with Rock of Ages. They have a reputation. 
And so I called Brother Caldwell and asked him who, if he had anybody that could use those Bibles and knew of anybody. He gave me a couple contacts. He said, I, prom- he said, I don't know if they can, but he said, if they can, they'll be good to work with. I called them and ended up going through other places. And, and first thing you know, here we are. We got, we got a missionary that's using those Bibles. Okay? You know why I was able to do all of that? Because of how y'all support me. Okay? Someone gets saved because of those Bibles. Guess what? Not only is it fruit abounding to my account, it's fruit abounding to this church's account. And if you tithe like you ought to and you give like you ought to, it's, it's fruit abounding to your account. Friday. I'm going to shut up here in a minute. I'm just minding the Lord. Friday. I was able to go to the jail. God opened the door to go to the jail. How did he open that door? Through Brother Alan Barker. Another man. Just, and, and here's the thing. I want to help further. I want to help further the cause of Christ. I want to help. I want to stay busy doing something for my Lord. I call him. He's like, yeah, you want to come Friday? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I get over there, able to preach. Young man comes to Christ. Guess what? The reason I was able to go over there is because y'all support me the way that you do. That young man that got saved, not only is it fruit abounding to my account, it's fruit abounding to y'all's account. You see how this works? The children of God support the work of God. God takes care of the rest. And there's nothing like being in the ministry. There's nothing like the work of God. We all help. We're all in this together. Every soul that is saved, every soul that is helped from the women's side of the ministry is because you help support my family and my wife can go over there and minister to those ladies. That's how we work. That's how we do things. I appreciate your support. That's what we're talking about right here. We're talking about how the family of God works together. Not just within this church, but within other churches. We all work together. Why? Because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all work together and further the gospel. Demetrius here, he was loyal to the cause of Christ. We've seen three types of church members. We got the loving member, we got the lost member, and we got the loyal member. We've got two members that edify the body, two members that encourage the other members of the church, and we got one that is extremely dangerous to the church. My question for you is this. What type of church member are you? What type of church member are you? I can say as the pastor of Shining Light Baptist Church, hallelujah, as far as I know, we ain't got no diatrophies around here. The Lord has been good. I've prayed from the day I got here that God, hmm, I'm just going to be real with you. I've prayed from the day I got here that God would weed out the tares and send us people that'll help. I've watched him do that. Watching him work. There's nothing as good as watching God work. You know it? Mm. Let's all stand by our heads. I've preached too long tonight. I'm done.